I asked him, you know, after the, after you know we come back home, saying, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go marry my girlfriend, and I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna use the GI Bill. I was like, oh, cool. And uh, you know, that was the end of that. The next day, he was killed. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Win. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Hey, Jess. How are you, man? Good, Ken. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you feeling? I have a lot of... uh, How am I feeling? I'm not doing so well. Um, physically, I'm just tired right now. Just, I think it's because of stress and, uh, mentally, uh, I'm not doing so well in that department as well. Um, you know, last time we spoke, you know, I remember bits and pieces of it. Let's talk about my experiences of, you know, being in the military and being, being Vietnamese American, um, just some issues I had. I don't remember a whole lot from that, um, conversation we had. But I know that you reached out to me to kind of check in with me and discuss what's been going on lately in regards to the, you know, the news about Afghanistan. So I'm dealing with some interpersonal things such as, you know, family, um, children type issues right now. So that's I'm preoccupied with that. And then, as you know, I, my, I have a job. I have a difficult job. Um, I'm in a leadership position at the VA and. I'm very busy working with veterans right now and they're particularly, uh, you know, homeless veterans, um, you know, homelessness is, is a huge issue right now throughout the country and specifically here in Southern California. Um, so yeah, in regards to Afghanistan, I mean, I, when I heard, initially, I mean, we knew, I knew that eventually we we're going to pull out and this would occur, but 20 years later, right. Um, you know, it's kind of, uh, excuse me. Don't worry. Um, yeah, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. Uh, 20 years later. Yeah. 20 years later. Um, you know, here we are. And I, I immediately knew that I'm going to have some feelings about it. I wasn't really, I was more in shock. So I went ahead and scheduled um, to go see therapy again uh, without even, you know, processing my current feelings at the time. I just knew like, Hey, as, as a therapist myself, I knew I needed to get in back into that. Then as more information started coming out, um, the veteran community speaking up about what's going on in Afghanistan. Uh, my mother, uh, reached out to me because, you know, as you know, Ken, and, and for the viewers, you know, my mom uh, fled Vietnam in 75 during the fall of Saigon, right? And the iconic picture of the helicopter picking up, um, you know, Vietnamese refugees and transporting them to a safe place. Uh, my mom reached out to me to reflect on that. And there was a more recent picture about Afghanistan, that same type of picture emerged. And she was, uh, I don't know, my mom's not just a person of emotions, you know? I think it's, from what I've seen, typical Vietnamese culture where you just don't talk about sadness and things like that. And I just had a hint from her of her, her sadness. And 
maybe reliving her own traumatic experiences um, fleeing, you know, her country from Vietnam. Um, for me, that just that kind of really tipped the, the edge with me because my mom, who has feelings, but just never really showed them to me growing up. And then she's in her way is showing me her feelings. Um, that bothered me a bit. And then as more news came out and more veterans talking to me about it, 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 it really bothered me. Um, it bothers me the sense of the wasted lives that we have there, all the interests we have there. And, you know, I'm not here to like bash any political group or anything like that. That's not my purpose. I mean, I'm, I don't side one way or another. I just side with what makes sense. And it doesn't, it didn't make sense to go there in the first place, in my opinion, um, from being a Marine over there, you know, a Marine officer at that, you know, I may mention this last time, but we never had a, an order to really explain to us why we were there. So, you know, That's we're crazy. running around. That's yeah, right. Crazy. If you think about that, it's like, well, let's go back to what were you doing there? You went, you did two tours in Afghanistan, right? I did one tour in Afghanistan, two in Iraq. Two in Iraq. One in Afghanistan. So what, what did you do there? I was an infantry officer in the Marine Corps. Um, my specific job was executive officer. Um, so I did a lot of administration, administrative type work, uh, processing orders um, from higher headquarters and disseminating that to the platoon commanders um, that are operating in the area. So basically, um, yeah, my, my boss had a role in it as well, obviously, but you know, a lot of information is flowed through me down to them. And then basically the commanding officer, thumbs up, thumbs down, right? Um, so my information pushed to them, you know, instituted patrols. Um, patrols what didn't make any sense to me um, that we're doing. Basically, you know, we were in an area where it was somewhat safe, um, but maybe two or three kilometers away from us um, was the city of Marja. And it was a Taliban stronghold at the time. I don't remember the enemy strength, but I know that the ratio of fighting to three to one was not in our favor as a Marine Marine uh, company. We were reinforced, so we're probably maybe 250 strong, maybe a little bit more. I don't remember the, the exact numbers, but there's just no way of us fighting them head on. Um, you, you know what's crazy, Jess? Uh, when you're in it or when you're a young man, uh, when we were in our teens, I was in my teens or 20s, and we we enlist to join these things. We have a completely different mindset. We're actually a completely different human being, right? And then when you reflect on that shit, when you get out and you start building up more knowledge and more information, your perspective changes a lot, right? And so mm -hmm. we, I think many times is dealing with the perception of who we were, who we are today. And I think today I kind of want to talk about that sort of person that you were during uh, your time in Afghanistan and your reflections on who you were, what you were going through, the meaning behind uh, the activity you were doing at the time, and then reflecting, you know, who you are today. And the difference that the difference of who you've become right and it makes when you, when you explain that or 
or talk about it. It reminds me of whenever I initially joined the Marine Corps in, in 98 and you were getting out at that time or no, actually your brother, you're already out. I think your brother was, was on his way out of the Marine Corps. Correct. And I think you're a little more mature than me at the time. Um, maybe you still are, but who knows? Um, I remember you talking about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember you talking to me about politics, you know, and things like that. And I, I was like, what's this guy talking about? He was a Marine, you know, why is he talking like this? Why is he talking like this? this direction of like you know peace love and happiness you know and you know i'll make i'm exaggerating you know you yeah. didn't uh, convey it that way but as a marine you're very uh, it, uh, you're very conservative in your views um but as a young man and as a young marine my my immediate thought process is hey i'm serving the country serving my country i am doing something for the greater good and i'm there for my brothers my Marine brothers, that's my justification of everything. My Marine Corps brothers, right? That's what I'm doing it for. Politics, I don't understand because um, I don't care. I'm there because I'm a badass. I'm a Marine. I will take your life, right? Um, so, but as a lieutenant, you know, rising from the ranks from enlisted to become an officer, you know, there's a little bit more awareness. And, you know, officers, do you have an education? Um, so I think education gave me a little bit more awareness than my contrary belief of where I grew up in Indiana, a very small, someone corrected me. I think last time I said like 20,000, I think it's 35,000, but still in comparison to like Los Angeles, that's peanuts. That's not even a, a small city, you know, it's not even a in town LA, in LA County, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, it, it just, my awareness kind of opened up when I think we were in Iraq, you know, and it was like, Hey, we're here to help the people save the people, which of course, I mean, you know, America, I think we were there for that purpose, but I think we had some other incentives like, you know, resources, natural resources. Right. Um, you know, I think there, we came in blind with, you know, kind of odd justifications of weapons of mass destruction. I don't think we ever found any there. Um, I think while I was there um, in Iraq, we were looking for those weapons as well. Never found them. Um, so it, it's not very clear and cut politically um, why we're in wars um, at a young age. I didn't really understand that too much, but it brought me questions in my head, right? At, you know, later on during my career. Um, and I think some I think some people it's easier to justify when you choose a political group because they believe in certain things and they're very strong about it even though it doesn't make any sense sometimes to some people um, but I wasn't one of those guys I like I told you I just you were diehard yeah you were diehard you were all about the Marine Corps and the way of life and exactly the structure that it gave you and the life that it gave you and the rebirth of yeah. life that it gave you. Um, yeah. And I understood it. I, I didn't, um, it wasn't my to, to, to talk more about it. My place was just to be a family member and, and, and basically love you, you know, and, and allow that sort of growth to eventually happen. Uh, but I, I, I don't think that things are cut and dry anymore. I don't think that there is a particular way to look at it. I think we have to constantly talk about all angles of, of it. Right. 
because there's some value in the way we saw things in our 20 early 20s as marines and then there's value in the way we we see things right now um and i think the more we talk about things the more we kind of air things out and we just analyze and try to not i try not to make any judgments on what i hear and what i learn today. yeah 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 and you know as you're talking i'm thinking about um that family you know i i think that family structure that i had in the marine corps was very powerful i mean grew up in indiana you know my sister and i basically the only asians there right growing up in that town um i had friends you know i had my family but i just never had a sense of belonging anywhere and the marine corps gave me that i mean you know i had my issues whenever i i first joined because homesick and crap like that but you know over time i i excelled in the marine corps i mean i climbed up the ranks i was enlisted I became an officer um you know i came from non-infantry side to infantry side you know and i, I loved it i loved the, the camaraderie we had i love the discipline i love that fatherly feeling i had with my superiors yeah um but yeah over time i just it got to the point where I, my eyes were a little bit bigger, um, just more growing up and just more knowledge. And, and, you know, I, I keep on repeating that over and over because I think that's part of my, my, my trauma. Uh, if why we here, why we run around the battlefield, why are we doing this? Why am I watching some guy get blown up? Why am I having to handle his body right now? Right. And while during the act, I'm like, Hey, I'm a Marine. I'm just doing my job. Right. But it bothered me because it didn't make sense to me. Um, war, you know, Afghanistan and and working with the, the Afghan National Army. I mean, they, I'm no better than anyone, but I'm gonna say they're fucking idiots. Afghan National Army, those guys are idiots, but I blame them on their leadership. Okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You keep hearing this shit about, we had 20 years and they didn't get their act together. What is the reality of that? What is the reality of that statement that you hear? They had 20 years. And then I talked some, to some older people who are in the know, and they're like, you know, we fought to the end. Five of our generals, they committed suicide because they didn't want to give up the country, you know, on the Vietnam War. There is a difference between how we lost the country in Vietnam, you know, and the Afghan Afghanistan army didn't. They, they, they just were incompetent. They were much more incompetent than the Vietnamese army. Right. Is that true? I mean... How could a whole group of men be that incompetent? I wouldn't say all, all the Afghan, you know, military was incompetent. The majority of them were. And you think about how leadership is. It starts from the top. Look at the president of the country. I mean, was he there really to better his country or get financial assets from America? You know, people can argue that all day. Um, but I found out the leaders at our level they're always about, you know, there's always corruption, you know, we'd give them fuel, they would turn around and sell it. We would give them supplies or turn around and sell it. Right. And it's just like, you know, we would pay them thousands of dollars for like a building project, building a bridge or something. This bridge that they built was so cheap. I mean, there's no way that you, it, someone could even walk over the bridge and we pay thousands for it. Right. So corruption was just rampant, man. And it's like, we as the Marines saw this and we're like, what the hell? These people are worthless, right? We do all this for them. 
we're in their country, we're trying to help them work because we're good Marines, but they don't want to help themselves. I think that mentality kind of went on and on throughout the, the, the two decades we we're there. But this is just from my perspective. I, you no, know, I get maybe, it. So yeah. someone else could think differently, but this is what I saw. Yeah. Because I, because in my position, I was lieutenant. I was a junior officer, so I got to see the boots on the deck, the actual Marines doing the dirty work, and I saw pictures of higher headquarters and what they wanted from us. And the picture from high, higher headquarters just didn't make any sense. It's like, why are we running around this area? For what purpose? What are we doing? What is our strategic goal? We never knew. All, but at the Marine level, all they knew is, hey, we're just gonna we're just gonna sit there and, you know um uh you know i'm sorry getting interrupted here i i i've always had this very ignorant and ill-informed uh way of kind of expressing my um my thoughts on this matter is it true do you feel like this is true that if we wanted to just come in and take over and just get in and get out we can do it fairly quickly as a force, we can go in, do what we know how to do in a month and do what we got to do. Send in like the big guns and throw everything at it and get out in a month. Can we do that or two months or a year max? If we had true intentions of restoring or getting people kicked out like the Taliban or some forces. I mean, this is always dominating my thoughts. It's like in war, can't you get the shit done in three months? Why the fuck is it not getting done quickly so we can get the fuck out? I mean, I guess from my perspective, I hear what you're saying, and I've talked to some vets, and they're, they're like, why can't we just go in there and just bomb the whole damn place? Collateral damage, right, for the innocents. I don't even uh, know. What about, like, you know, sending in a shit ton of special forces guys and just taking out what you need to take out and and – I don't know. I'm like, again, it's maybe a very ill-informed place that I'm asking from a very ignorant place, but it just yeah. doesn't seem 20 fucking years or 10 years at war in Vietnam, 20 years in Afghanistan. Why are they taking this long? We are the Supreme force military force in the world. We have all the technology. We have all the intelligence. We have all the capacity to do things very quickly. Yeah. How is it taking decades to do Afghanistan and then get out and nothing was really done. I can just say one word about that. Politics. That's something I don't understand very well. I can just say politics. I mean, at our level, there were so many rules that we had. Hey, you can't shoot this until X, Y, and Z happens. You can't do this unless X, Y, and Z happens. So there's hesitancy on our behalf at times and what we can do. And as an officer, I got to ensure that, hey, we're, we're doing clean kills. We're doing clean operations you know but you know I, i'm not going to allude to too much of what we did over there and what what occurred which we shouldn't but at times you know i was just tired of the of the rules that are governed by our politics right so i turned my head by me saying that can i end up in jail probably not no this is this is you know things that um, what's the safety for, for us? And in this particular case, I'm referring to is my safety. Um, so it sucks. I have to explain it like that because there's always a fear of repercussion, you know, and that's the, 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 the mindset we had over there. Um, I think we came in full fledged, Hey, 
we're going to come here, we're going to kill these people, and we're going to get these people to take over control, et cetera, et cetera. Anyone that tries to interfere with us, we're going to kill them. I don't think that happened. It was always like, hey, help us out here. Here's a little bit of some Benjamins. Help us out. I think we, we fought that war incorrectly. But then again, like you said, it comes to a place of ignorance too, because I'm not a general. I'm not a politician. So I don't know what occurs on their on their level. And but I, I would assuming... suspect that the generals probably are in the dark too. They're just yeah, doing a, what yeah. they're they're told. I mean, your your condition as a second lieutenant all the way up to becoming a general, right? You go through becoming a captain, major, colonel, you you crawl up the ranks for 30 years and you become a general. Now you're work, walking in, you're working in DC, chief of staff of, of some department, and you're you've been a yes man for 30, 25 yeah. 30 years. You think you're gonna start asking questions at that level to the to the suits? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? In the media, recently that lieutenant colonel, he pulled their cards, the commandant of the Marine Corps. You know, most of my news right now is I hear through the grapevine. I don't watch directly. It, it bothers me. I'm not so much angry at what's happening now, and I'm not surprised. It's just like, it's hurtful. It's disheartening, man. I mean. What is disheartening about this whole thing? The deaths. The, the casualties we had over there, man. I mean, like I said, man, the premise of these Marines is, hey, we're, it's the brotherhood, it's a family. You know, and how they're dead. You know, they were killed and it took me years to 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 reach out to the families i finally did um, a couple of months ago um i i, I was meaning to do meaning to do it again um but i just i just i got so much so much going on right now in my head yeah um i'm safe i have a good support system um you know as i get older i'm realizing life is a lot shorter you know, you got to really yeah. enjoy what you have and use your past experiences to better your current and future experiences. Right. So that's where I'm at today. Um, how how many guys did yeah. you lose? Um, four, but I was close to two. Well, I mean, close is like I watched them grow up from being privates to being corporals. So you're your lowest ranking non-commissioned officer, yeah. uh, a leader, a, a leader at the, at the lowest level. I watched them grow. And then one particular death really bothers me because I was, I, was I came from listed, I would came from listed ranks. So I understand like the leadership structure from coming from being a private to an officer. And I really distanced myself from um, the enlisted. I kept it very professional. I, did, I was very private about my life um, just because I wanted to establish that, that chain of command. And, you know, I, I don't never had any issues in regards to chain of command by subordinates, never. Um, yeah, nothing like that. Um, but prior to a, a major operation that we did, you know, this Marine, we were sitting on the burn shitter. We're taking a shit. You know, and in Afghanistan, there's no plumbing out there where we're at. We're at a patrol base. We took a dump in um, these metal, basically a, a 55 gallon oil drum. You cut it and you cut it in half or cut it in thirds. And the bottom half, you, you put a board over it. And that's that's your bathroom. And 
I would use it at night because you do in the daytime, you got flies all over you and they're landing the shit and they're landing on your face. You're fighting them, trying to use the bathroom. So I'm like, no. So my routine, I made my routine to be at night because there's less flies, right? So this Marine, and then we sit side by side. It's just in the open. So this Marine sat next to me. It's like balls all hanging out and shit. Like you take Yeah, it- yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Just, yeah. I, I never got to experience that shit. But, that- you know, it was relaxing because, you know, you're, you're relieving yourself. At the same time, you're talking to somebody. Right? I mean, you're like socializing. Um, so it's kind of like a relaxing moment all around. Um, so this Marine, you know, he, he was talking to me. He's like, hey, hey, sir, you know, how you doing? You know, we really don't, haven't talked. To him. He, he initiated the conversation with me. Literally like, okay, at night, yeah. you guys are both taking a dump. Yep. Yep. We're talking about this. And I asked him, you know, after, the, after you know, we come back home, saying, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go marry my girlfriend and I'm going to go to school. I'm going to use the GI Bill. It's like, oh, cool. And, uh, you know, that was the end of that. The next day he was killed. Oh, fuck. Yeah, man. Um, So, I, you know, I, I let my guard up and my procedures up of, like, not being close to these guys. And um, he uh, he was killed. And when we got back to the States, um, his family was there. You know, I, I was advanced party to um, going back first with the first batch to set things up for the remaining main body to come back from Afghanistan. And his family was there. And, like, fuck man i didn't know how to react to them i was just so stoic with them it's like so robotic and my affect was totally flat i don't know if it was my coping mechanism back then or just me being a marine per se uh i don't know it was just (laughs) but what are you gonna do like oh like you're gonna give them a bear hug like you're fucking at david busters or you know like there's yeah there's no way there's no way you could be human you were in uniform at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. But I knew, I knew why he died. I knew how he died. I, I witnessed it. And then I remember his sister, who was pregnant at the time. Um, not by him, obviously. All right, but you know, <laughs> who knows? Um, There's some levity, <laughs> brevity right there. Uh. So, so um, dark. She came up to me and just looked at me and just started bawling. I was like, I'm sorry. I just sat there and looked at her like very stoically. And I just, I don't know. And that bothered me for many years. I wish I, I could have said more or done more. Wow. But I, I've, I made amends with that by talking to the family. And they, they said like, yeah, we kind of understood where you were coming from. Um, they're a family in North Carolina, a uh, very small town they came from. Um, but I reached out to them. And then I, when I got out, I, I stayed under the radar. I didn't talk to a lot of vets. When I went to therapy, it was never group settings. It was always one-on-one type therapy. I, I guess I felt guilty as an officer because here I'm the guy, I'm the politician per se. I, I'm yeah. sitting behind the scenes telling you what to do. Then your life gets ended or your life gets screwed up because of my decision right that bothered me for many years until i did start reaching out to some vets and like you know you know jesse 
we, we were we were there because of the brotherhood. Same thing I was there for, right? So I don't, we don't care about the politics, but we were there for each other. And we wanted to go out there and we wanted to kill people. We wanted to do that for the best interest of the United States of America, right? Um, so, you know, but I, I didn't think that way later on, like I've been explaining to you. And, um, and I found out, you know, by talking to um, this family, there's a lot of guys that in that tour during that tour are not doing so well in their life. Um, a lot of trauma. I mean, to watch your buddy or someone, you know, get blown up, yeah, you know, locked up and then deal with their bodies, you know, and uh, the Lieutenant on scene um, that was there and witnessed everything. And, you know, I, I commend him. I can't remember what, what kind of war he got, but he was dealing with that casualty. He was dealing with an ambush and he was caught and then someone else got wounded. Um, so he was like battling all three of those stuff. And here I am on the other radio trying to pull information, to, you know, to me so I can help him like coordinate and organize the information and get more assets to him. That was my job. Um, you know, another component of my job. Um, but I haven't heard from him for years. Um, I reached out to some of my buddies that I thought would have connections with him, but he's under radar. So I hope he's doing okay. Um, but I remember he he did come to me, um, you know, after that death. And like, I think he just wanted to talk to me. Um, you know, as Marines, we just don't cry, right? Um, I think he wanted to cry with me. And it's not that I didn't let him. Just, I, I just listened to him, you know, and I, he was pretty tore up. He's like, yeah, I, I I picked up half his body and just looked at him. I had a moment and I think he lost his marbles after that a little bit. His, his Marines were telling me that he was set up fake IEDs. So fake, you know, improvised explosive devices, what was, you know, killing us over there, mines, whatever you want to call it. Um, he set them like booby traps all over the patrol base. So his Marine, but they were like, he would tie him up to like a light or something, not an explosive. Um, so he would, his Marines would be on guard. So when they would step on it, it would light up, you know? So he wanted them to have the mindset of not being complacent. This was a at, lieutenant or first lieutenant working? Yeah, it was, his, it was the first lieutenant. He was the first lieutenant at the time. Um, he was losing his marbles. And at that time, mental health wasn't like, it wasn't very well known. PTSD wasn't known. Well, it wouldn't be PTSD because it was so acute. So uh, he was traumatized, um, you know, and we just didn't understand. We just thought he was just being weird, like in, like how he was. Um, but he, he was pretty messed up about it. And I, I think for the veteran community, um, this the fall of Afghanistan brings up a lot of raw emotions, a lot of memories of, you know, what we lost there and, how much you know blood and sweat we put into it for what but then again at the same time like i've been telling we expected it we expected it from these guys we knew that once we left these guys are not going to fight for themselves you know while we we're there i remember the locals saying hey you guys leaving are you guys leaving are you here for good they knew i think they knew that we weren't going to have a, a permanent presence there so it makes sense hey get what you can right get what you can from these people why they're here and I think Absolutely. that's what they did. And I think that's what they did. Um, it, it's it's disheartening to see 
like our presence with that freedoms that allowed those the Afghans. Like the women, they were getting education, they were unveiling themselves, they had a voice, right? You know, storefronts had color in them, they had designs, they had art. art. That country's just like, ugh, there's like no color. Um, but I'm I'm sure with the, the influence that we had over that changed. And uh, you get to see the broken hearts of these people, so the fear. Yeah, and, and see, that's the fucking moral argument here too, right? Like you witness color coming back into society as boots on the ground with, with your presence there, with your group of men there. And it's this colonial aspect of we don't belong there, but a bunch of, you know, guys with guns coming in, but brought color, brought life, brought unveiling of women's faces and freedom and certain rights that 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 came back to that society and then we leave and it's gone um so the moral argument i think for us is well man did we did we offer some good in that short amount of time that we were there and was it better than nothing but then at what cost you know yeah yeah i i think there was a small footprint well i wouldn't say small i think there's some positive attributes that we brought to the table there but you know and i'm thinking you know i dare i dare the taliban to become educated you know not not in the the you know religious religion necessarily but just education i dare them to be educated um i'm not saying that all of them are what do you mean by that hey like look at our society education is paramount right education think that this is why we're a world power i mean because of education and resources but everything for everyone everything for everybody starts from education you think about it some people are just lucky in life where they have money etc cetera, etc cetera. um but for the majority of the hardworking american our our pathway towards our success success is is through education yeah right just knowledge so right yeah. Ability to know just, shit. I think Afghans go on beliefs. You know, maybe they're supported by fact, but yeah, you know. You, you know what's crazy? Um, yeah, there's so many parallels, but there's so many not non-parallels. A lot of things that are that are very different from Vietnam and Afghanistan. This morning, um, I had another uh, podcast episode with uh President Tui, she's uh, the president slash found one of the founders of Fulbright University in Vietnam, and it's a it's a, a really cool university um, modeled after different systems here in the U.S. about free thinking, um, autonomy, uh, thinking outside the box, and 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 it's a liberal education in Vietnam, where Vietnam's typically more stem more science more you know technology uh heavy and so this is forcing them to sort of think you know more liberal arts terms mm -hmm. but what's cool what i learned this morning is this in 2005 the prime minister of vietnam at the time went to the united states to harvard and sat down for meetings with larry summers which is the president of of Harvard at the time in 2005 and got mm -hmm. a mindful of, of, of ideas to take back to Vietnam on education, 
How do we make our education more robust? How do we think about things in, in a different way? In 2013, they sent another delegation to MIT, to, to Harvard again, and to all these big institutions of learning. And then they came back. And now it's like they're grinding out how to make the education system in Vietnam better, right? And you're right. It's like, when will the Afghan, Afghani group or the government Taliban related or any of that realize that um, education is the key? But then probably the US looking at Vietnam 45, 50 years ago, we're probably thinking the same thing. The troops at the time were probably yeah. the same thing. Fuck them. I hope, you know, I dare them go get an education, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I Some of the Vietnam vets I speak with, they speak highly of the South Vietnamese army or, you know, the South Vietnamese uh, military forces. And, and that's um, the, the difference that I'm hearing as well. I, I think what I've seen and what I've heard is the Vietnamese culture are, you know, is hard workers. It's very dedicated. We may not know, know because lack of skills, lack of education, but if we're guided that direction, and I, I'm, and I apologize for speaking for us as a group, but this is from what, just my experience is what I've seen right. and heard. Um, like if we're put into that situation, we're going to excel. You know, I mean, that's what I've seen. Um, and look at the nail industry. I mean, I don't want to digress too much, but yeah, it's very basic to do nails, but look how well the Vietnamese community does it. And look how they thrive on that. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I, I guess from my just personal you know, experience in life, um, you know, I, I watched my father. He was always, he's always been a hard worker. And I kind of picked up that mentality. He may have not known the how to, but he always seeked ways to get more knowledge to do whatever better. Um, and and I w I'm hoping the Afghans will see that, but I don't know, man, if that's ever going to occur over there. Just it's about what they can get, you know, because America, we got money. They saw us, us as a ticket book. Um, but I'm I, just yeah. I'm wondering how different the society, Vietnamese society in the 70s were compared to Afghan society uh, while the uh, U.S. was there. You know, um, the culture of improving, the culture of, you know, just being sovereign, just having your own governance, uh, ability to govern uh, and how they actually view this sort of temporary force being there in the US. Um, I think, I wonder if there was an actual, at the time, for the Vietnamese people, you know, we understood that, hey, these guys are here to help win. Once they leave, we gotta like pick up and we gotta set up things. We have to set up shop. Whereas what you're saying is your feeling was the Afghani people, the Afghan people didn't have that sort of same understanding of of independence at the when you were there yeah but i just i'm not too too familiar with the history of, of vietnam back then that's something that i would that's a good conversation with my mother um you know and i think she'd be more willing to open up to me now she's told me things you know after my service that I was kind of i was shocked how when she fled 
Vietnam is in the process because she worked for the U.S. Embassy. She had connections when she fled. Um, she fled during the night, and I guess she said she was she fled during a firefight or something like that. Just imagine that. Yeah, you like, know, just fleeing Vietnam and during a firefight. You know, you're not even a combatant. You're just a civilian trying to get away. And my mom finally told me that after what 40, 40 years and thirty some years, right? She finally told me that. Um, so, yeah, it's like, you know, I think everyone in life you know, has some type of struggle or trauma. It's just yeah. how we overcome it. For me right now, it's just it's just a flash, not flash. Well, flashback, sure, you can use that term uh, of what what's happened. It just brings up a lot of uh, emotions, a lot of sadness, a lot of reflection of these wonderful Marines that has so much, you know, you know, potential in life uh, to cut short. And, you know, I think previously I, I spoke about the Afghans of like being, you know, yeah, I'll be mad too if I came to your country and you try to change my way of life. Yeah, I'm sure I'll try to kill you. But I generally sense a, like evil in the Taliban. Um, I don't know. I can't explain it, but um, these guys were just bad, bad, bad cats. I, I think um, anytime you have a society of men, patriarchy in yeah. power, and they fucking yeah. dominate it, and they don't let women come near that space to, to help govern, or they're not open to it, and they're, they're actually repressing the education of women, we're going to have a, that's a problem. That's just it. And that keeps perpetuating, that power just corrupts absolutely, and it just perpetuates the, 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 the cycle of evilness when you don't want to open it up to an equal society for gays for women for all of the people and if it's just men and the their patriarchy you better believe that they're going to fucking fight to to protect that i think you know why why are they going to give it up right right why the fuck would they give it up culturally why would they ever um and i think that's the the beauty of the west and in 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 some, you know, when you when you analyze it, it's like we 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 work on that. We work on equality, and we try our best uh, as a as a society to lift everybody up. It's not always perfect. Absolutely, you know, it's not absolutely perfect, but it's definitely everybody putting their best foot forward um, and trying their best. And we fail at this whole thing of equality, but we we definitely try to balance out our society. And there's still patriarchy and men here happening um i, w- I want to go back to what you said about your mom i, w- I want to know more about um you know is this opening up a bridge between your mother and yourself about conversation about war yeah definitely um i i'm gonna take it slow with my mom um just because my mom and um i'm just shocked right and she's telling me this stuff it's like you know when I left Vietnam, I had to run through the, the fields and they were fighting. And I was like, what the hell did she see? You know, but I can, I think she's opening up to me because obviously I'm, I'm older, right? And I think she knows the experiences I had as being a Marine in combat, right? Um, that maybe she feels like she can relate to me a little bit more um, in that aspect. And that's what she's telling me. Or she's telling me to show her appreciation of like the struggle she's been to and here she comes to america 
you know, retired from, you know, LA County uh, as an LA County worker. And she lives in a nice place now. And just like all her hard work, she's where she's come from and what she's done and where she is now. Um, I think my mom went on a very ideal as a therapist, you know, I'm not trying to therapize my, my, my mom, but all her milestones in life are kind of been met throughout the decades of her life, you know, career, childbearing, family, um, retirement. Now at her age, her focus is on the grandchildren. Um, now my father is a little bit different story. He, I don't think he's met all those, those milestones in life. Yeah. And now he's stuck in the past and he can't move forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, this whole idea of things that were happening in war, right? In in your little, in your 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 company, your platoon, your your corner, there is no way. Even as I'm listening to your stories, and I'm, you know, I've never been to combat. Uh, I've gone through some of the training, but even somebody like me, I consider myself a uh, 100% civilian. I don't uh, ever. <laughs> it's even hard to. Even, <laughs> think that I was a veteran. But yeah. I don't think of myself that way. I think of myself as a long haired hippie inside. Like I, yeah. I have no hair because it's just easier to manage, but I, I do consider myself much more of a, you know, on the other extreme, you know, um, we as civilian people cannot reconcile and understand. We can't even imagine what it's like to pick up a leg that was blown apart from a body of somebody who we were just talking to the night before. We, we can't imagine it. And I can't imagine if we can't imagine what that's really like, how do we even as a society help out people coming back from war? You know, with my current position now, um, I don't see a whole lot of combat vets. I, I, I don't, I don't know why. They don't um, come maybe in. They're going, no, not really. I mean, you, you get them, but there's not majority of veterans that I see that I've encountered personally as a, as a veteran and as, you know, a clinician, they're most of them are not combat guys you know what i my they, suspicion a lot of them are probably on the police department on the force probably fucking taking out aggressions on you know through their work uh there gotta be think about if you think about where the fuck do these combat vets go after they get discharged sign up to the fucking police department fbi most combat yeah most combat vets that i served with they're strong people yeah they're just but, a strong mindset, you know. Not dealing then, with their shit though, man. They're not yeah. There's some dark yeah. places in their minds. And all of the shit that we deal with with police brutality, have we talked that's not even a conversation. I feel like that's not even a conversation that is being had, right? You think about it. A lot of this shit, like, yeah, there's like white white supremacists, or you know, there's this white mentality of you know, uh, oppressing uh, people of color and blacks and, and all this shit. Yes, there's definitely 100% that going on. But there's also probably unresolved combat issues that are happening in 
live men, men that are living with this baggage on the forces throughout the United States. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to disclose too much, but it just reminds me of uh, some associations that I'm very familiar with and could potentially make uh, news. So I just, I, I do. I'm just going to say, keep it at that. And I understand uh, what you're saying is just, uh, I think anything, um, I think the person really has to want it. You really have to want it. I think right now, the way things have been in the past 10 years, um, it's out there. The help is out there. It's just a matter of, you know, identifying within yourself. And that's probably the most difficult part. It's a problem. And then getting the help from it. And I think for a lot of Marines, there's a very, uh, there's a lot of pride, you know, involved and maybe that's what's preventing them well actually i know that's what's preventing some of them because i know them personally and i suggested hey why don't you go to therapists and they laughed at me like i don't do that it's like all right man how, how many guys that are therapists at the va i mean just to guess that have combat veteran like combat um experience like you who've gone through the shit and now are dude i mean the the, the journey that you took to become some fucking young enlisted ass motherfucker who was like completely lost and then become a captain. That means you had to have gone to college. And then you had to go to OCS to become an officer. Yeah. You had to go through the whole fucking training of becoming a Marine officer. That is no easy. And then after you get out, you go into, you go back to graduate, you go back to school, get a graduate degree, and then you do your hours and you become a there. That is no yeah. easy. I can't imagine a lot of uh, ex-combat officers are sitting in your doing what you're doing today. Well, obviously they're out there, but you know, in my small group of social workers, maybe out of 200, I've only, there's me and another, uh, actually two other guys. I know that are combat, combat well, guys that are, you know, well, actually, I'm sorry. One, there's only one, <laughs> there's only me and this other guy. I know there's a lot of people that serve, but there's no combat experience and I, that's make that doesn't make me better than anybody it just gives me more perspective in life i think more experiences um you know but but yeah there's not a, a lot of us especially you know what i've been through and like you said enlisted officer now starting over like you said as a going through a master's program in social work and at times i wonder why the hell i do what i do I got enough problems myself. Why well, I'm trying to do with someone else's problem. You know, and it's like, you know, I, I think I came to the mindset of, hey, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to help these people out. People come to me and it's like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, really? It's like, really, dude? Uh, but, you know, I, I, I try my best to help people. You know, I try to put my personal feeling aside and because everybody's different. Everyone has different levels of, issues and you know maybe my experiences in life can help somebody you know even though they cuss me out whatever i, I, that I try happens. to do my best all the time what do you mean but like, you know i never they just they don't get what they want and they get very upset and they cuss you out but the thing about it is i don't i don't disclose who i am I, I, being a veteran being a combat vet i don't disclose that it's like i don't need to to 
disclose that because this is how you're presenting to me or anyone else, really. But, you know, sometimes I'll disclose it for the, the best interest. Yeah. Uh, for the veteran, you know, um, to gain a better rapport so they open up to me and talk about what's really going on so I can help them. Um, then, I, then I'll open that can of worms. If someone's cussing me out, I won't pull that out. Can I ask you a question? Or, sure. Okay. I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I just. No, don't. Um, so you have three boys, right? And if these kids were like, Hey dad, there's this shit that just happened. I want to go and, and fight. I want to go in the Marine Corps did what I want to do what you do, what you did. And I want to go in and I want to tear shit up. I want to do what my dad did. I want to do what my uncles did, you know, uh, all these Marines in our family. I want to go in and, and, and be a part of that. What, what would you say at this point? today right now i'd say join the air force or don't bury at the space force right that seems pretty damn safe to me <laughs> um not expecting that man no but you know if, if they did go to some type of combat arms i would say strive to be number one in what you do go to the special forces community strive to do that you know they're the cream of the crop try to try to go that route you wouldn't try to explain some back end like hey there's political like uh ideology that you can't see right now or there's you know all the shit that's floating in the ether that you don't realize that you know you're you're gonna sign up to do some some dirty mercenary right. shit you have no idea what i think i would tell my experience but my experience is different from anyone else's i'm not gonna force you to believe in something you know that it's up to you it's up to your own experiences to come up with your own beliefs you can hear me then you can experience it for yourself um of course as a parent i'm going to try to educate them on, on you know morality and things of that nature but when it comes to like politics and you know things like that i, w I wouldn't push that on them yeah I i'm going to answer my own question right now which i rarely do if my kid came up to me and asked me like there's a conflict going on in wherever the world is and he wants to go fight. I think I'm going to break it down to him in every little fucking detail. I I'll let him, ha I'll like un unleash the fury of what I know and what I believe. Um, not always apparent on, 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 on my show, but privately I would tell, I would give him every bit of, of my mind. And then if he wants to go, then, you know, have at it. But I can't yeah. stand by and not yeah. tell my child every little bit of darkness that I feel about going to right. But But this is my life now. Yeah, I'm dealing with a lot of drama right now. I'm extremely stressed out. But you know what? This is my life. This is my story that's been written. You know, I, I, I wouldn't go back to change anything. Mm -hmm. Even the, the good and the bad. I wouldn't change it. Because it doesn't make me who I am today. My life's not perfect today, but I appreciate my life. So that's why I wouldn't change anything. Um, so, you know, I guess for my kids, I, I wouldn't, I, I just wouldn't do, I don't know why. You, your logic makes perfect sense, um, but it's their, their own paths. Right. I, you know what I mean? So I, I don't wanna, you know, I'll, I'll say no. You should probably, like I said, join a, a less, 
lethal type military force where you're not in so much danger right but uh but you go from you, space force to special forces it's like right? it's, it's one or the other there's no gray area there's no gray area there you either be the best of the best killer or you'd be the geekiest geekiest of nerds right so um but can I, I i hate to cut cut this short i i do need to be getting i do need to go soon um no this was I, I just i i really appreciate the time um the openness that that you've uh, shared you know i i really appreciate yeah. that yeah i just i got a lot going on and i think this uh i appreciate i thank you for asking me because I, I just it helps this is talk therapy you know you know you know you're not a therapist can it's just it helps when you just talk about things and extinguish your thoughts that are in your mind as you vocalize them right so i, I think it's helpful for me uh, that's how i'm willing to do it and i hope somebody can hear this and learn from my experiences and you know i may have not made sense at times i'm just i'm, I'm really tired right now just i understand going through the steps right now in life well jesse we'll catch up very soon um thank you again for for coming on and uh you know we'll talk again and feel better and i i'm here if you need to talk uh, off air and 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 whatnot appreciate you ken we we'll talk soon thanks jess thank you for listening to the vietnamese with kenneth Wynn. the vietnamese is produced by Brittany tran and javier proenza Special thanks to Jane Wynn, Catherine Wynn, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Crystal Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcast. Thanks again for listening.